I'm Luke. And I'm Jason. We're the guys from That Film Stew, and this is our latest review, Blue Beetle. Directed by Angel Manuel Soto, Blue Beetle is the superhero film based on the DC character Jaime Reyes, Blue Beetle. It is the 14th installment in the DC Extended Universe, or the DCEU. The movie is out now, finally, in Australia. But if you haven't watched Blue Beetle yet and you want to, go watch it first before listening to our full review. We will be talking spoilers. Before we get into it, make sure you subscribe and download this podcast on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, wherever you can find us, and feel free to leave us a review. And follow us on social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as that Film Street Podcast. So, Jason, what is Blue Beetle about? Recent college grad Jaime Reyes, played by Sholo Maraduena, returns home full of aspirations for his future, only to find that home is not quite as he left it. As he searches to find his purpose in the world, fate intervenes when Jaime unexpectedly finds himself in possession of an ancient relic of alien biotechnology, the Scarab. When the Scarab suddenly chooses Jaime to be its symbiotic host, he is bestowed with an incredible suit of armor capable of extraordinary and unpredictable powers, forever changing his destiny as he becomes the superhero Blue Beetle. So before we actually get into this film, said in the opening there, DCEU, are we still calling it that? I mean, I know this is technically the latest entry. It is said, or James Gunn has said, that Blue Beetle is the first DCU character and Superman Legacy will be the first DCU film. I mean, I know we've addressed that before. I mean, that statement is confusing and... Unnecessarily confusing. Yeah, what does it mean? I like to think at this stage, until we know more, means nothing. If anything, it might just be a little bit of, hey, you know, there is a reason to watch this movie. Apart from, hey, maybe it's just a good movie on its own. Maybe that's a, a little bit, like, maybe that's a part of it. But I think for all extensive purposes, this is the second last DCEU movie. And hey, it might become something else later, but it's the second last one. Here we are. We do have some references to other DC characters. Jaime wears a Gotham Law hoodie, of course, a reference to Batman. And a LexCorp tower can be seen in the downtown scape with the core tower. So I like I missed, that. I missed both those things. <laughs> oh, it's, I mean, the hoodie is very noticeable. Like they practically zoom in on the back of the hoodie to see the see the Gotham logo. But I like that it was subtle that way. Honestly, I know we're here to talk about Blue Beetle, the Flash. I've I need to have a second viewing. I'm going to pick it up on Blu-ray. It hasn't happened yet. But that movie should have been a Flash movie. It ended up being a Flashpoint movie that they said was a Flash movie. But you had Supergirl, more than one Batman, and other characters also appear. I feel like this movie, what they were doing with Blue Beetle if they'd have treated the Flash in a similar manner, I think it would have been a much better movie. But we've got a different thing with the Flash. But Blue Beetle, I'm thinking it's got at least half the budget of what Flash had. And I'm going to say it right now, 
for me, this is a better movie. I know we're going to get into it, but it just goes to show what they can do with less. It's 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 simpler. Like, look, I mean, the action is still pretty, you know, like pretty out. There's there's a lot of stuff happening, and you know, there's a lot of uh, it's quite a few action scenes and special effects are are used here. But yeah, you know, this is a cheaper movie. It's a much more contained story. It's character driven. There's multiple characters in this. I mean, obviously the Blue Beetle character is at the forefront, but there's heaps of other characters like his family and, you know, like the sprinkle of, of the villains and all that kind of jazz. And even, dare I say, other Blue Beetles, um, you know, at some point it's, it, but it's still, it's a very focused thing. One thing I appreciate this movie is that like, Okay, Blue Beetle is is very new to me. You know, I've seen him pop up in, you know, some animated things or here or there. I've never touched a Blue Beetle comic at all, ever. Um, let alone familiar with the Jaime Reyes interpretation of the character. So this was all new. But what they were doing here, like having the focus be a, a straightforward origin story, it's, you know, it's a story about this kid his family how he gets his powers how he deals with those powers how that sort of impacts him and his family and all of that like it you've said it like just a better movie than what the crazy bombastic flash film was yeah i mean you know i'm a big dc guy i know blue beetle this one the first one the second one when i first started reading comics it was ted cord we're talking the Justice League international era of DC Comics. And I've been a fan of the character since. In animation, Jaime has appeared a lot. He's been in Brave and the Bold. He's been in Young Justice. This, I think he's even been in a Teen Titans animated movie, I believe. He's even appeared in live action before in an episode of Smallville. Right, okay, sure. The character has been around. I mean, I remember 2006 reading Infinite Crisis, issue three. That's where the character made his debut. So I was there okay. when this character was, was brand new. <laughs> I was there. <laughs> Which is, you know, for me, it's pretty, it's pretty cool because you don't know. You don't know if a mm. new character is going to catch on. And obviously this one has and just having the references to the other blue beetles of course ted cord is mentioned throughout his sister is the big bad of this movie but there's reference to him and you know what fan cast for ted cord for years has been jason Tudakis. and you know when you're at his house and you see that painting Mm. I'm thinking that absolutely could pass yeah. for Jason Sudeikis. And then we get that voice cameo in the end with the uh, mid credit scene. There is an uncredited actor portraying Ted, voice-only cameo. But I reckon we could get Jason Sudeikis in a sequel. He would make a fantastic Blue Beetle. But then oh. we get... Oh, we won't get a sequel, and we won't get anything. So. No, 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 don't do that to me. <laughs> Honestly, I feel like I'm still riding the high of this movie, so don't do that to right. me. I'm I'm sure. hopeful, but then we see 
the costume of Dan Garrett, the original Blue Beetle, which is very, very cool. So I enjoyed all of that. And, you know, when we reviewed Black Adam, probably my favorite thing about that movie was the Justice Society of America, those older heroes. So having right. that here, but it, it plays as a you know part of the story, it's the plot, but it doesn't feel like, hey, look at this fun cameo. It's actually part of the story and Jaime's origin. Yeah, and do you know what? I think overall, like, making the choice to have this movie about the Jaime Reyes version of, of Blue Beetle, it, I think it was right. It's like it allowed to have those story points of, hey, here's this history of of Blue Beetles, the legacy. You, you, like you said, you saw the old costumes, or like the lair, the the cord family, all of that. Um, it reminded me a little bit of like Ant Man, like how they chose to go with, you know, like rather than going with Hank Pym, they went with, and I'm completely forgetting the character that Paul Rudd plays, but that guy, the new one, um, Scott Lang. That's the one. That's the one. Fantastic. <laughs> so it was, it was sort of like that, like, hey, here's a new guy. And then there's this history of this character. But it's like, so you get an origin story within a passing the torch kind of story. So you're getting that here. But at the same time, we're going younger. The DCU hasn't, or the DCEU, hasn't really explored, you know, like teenage characters, much like the DC comics, right? Like it was very rare that you would get a young superhero they were always sidekicks you know like we've gone through that kind and of that's, history. yeah that's so with yeah. dc films we haven't had you know young not young kids but you know like teenagers and stuff or you know college graduates still a young man you know like taking the mantle of you know okay we got a little bit of it in black uh black adam you know with the justice society at like but they were like even and, yeah cyclone like something like that atom smasher Although they were young heroes, so part of the team, but they did feel mm. like sidekicks. Whereas, just like Spider Man for Marvel, he essentially was what you'd normally consider a sidekick, a teenage superhero, but he was the main hero. And they could have had what they're having now with Blue Beetle with The Flash. I mean, 10 years <laughs> were they trying to make a Flash movie after casting Ezra Miller? And I don't want to keep bringing up the flash. So let's just focus on, <laughs> and I know I'm, I recognize I'm the one that's doing it, but something that's going for this movie. I mean, I'm interested in blue beetle as a character, you know, the world that we're getting introduced to here, because although it is DC universe, it is a very much a small corner of it. So we're getting to spend a lot of time in this new place, but having, Sholo Maridwina as Jaime. Like we've seen him in Cobra Kai, where he is fantastic. And the actor, the character he's playing is just so likable. It shouldn't be difficult to want to root for the hero when you're watching a superhero movie. But there was, I'm doing it again, <laughs> a lot of baggage was brought with The Flash. You know, things happened in Ezra Miller's life. And not just that, like the portrayal and the approach that they had with his Barry Allen never quite set right with me. When watching Zack Snyder's Cut of Justice League, I did like Flash more in that. But I felt like a lot of the time I was trying to like the character of the Flash. 
Whereas, yeah. whereas this, this movie, effortless. straight away. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, he's... And- you know, he's just is a good guy that wants to do right by his family, right by his friends. It's an interesting angle having him be a reluctant hero, you know, as in he doesn't necessarily want to be someone with superpowers, but he's someone who does the right thing in everyday life and yeah. he follows through when he gets superpowers. But he's was- just a likable character. There was one bit, you know, as likable as this guy is, there was one bit that just, like, frustrated me, but I completely get what the movie was doing. Like, you've got these goons and stuff, right? They're pointing guns, weapons at his family, at his mother, at his nan, at his father, his sister, like, and even then he's still, like, to his little AI system thing, like, no killing, no, like, no fatality shit. It's like, mate, there comes a time where, like, just get it done. <laughs> like, that was the only thing that, that frustrated do you know what? And this, and this, and this is what divides us. This is, you know, I, I disagree completely mm. because, because that's the thing, you know, with a character like Blue Beetle, a character like yeah. Superman. If we look at these DC characters, I mean, is it plausible that they're always going to do the right thing? That they're always going to find a way to yeah, do the no. right thing? I mean, you're stretching, you know, logic there, but they always do. They that's always do. The right things. I, I like. I get where you're coming from, but I like what is happening there because you know, no matter how hard things are getting in that moment, it's like no, like we're not gonna do the right. We're yeah. not gonna do the wrong thing. We're gonna disarm. We're not gonna kill. And you know, this movie, it got its own Superman the movie, Jonathan Ken heart attack moment. You know where you know Clark found with all the things that he can do, there's some things that he can't. And it was just, mm-hmm. oh, honestly, this this movie was hitting all the right notes for me. Yeah, look, but the whole time I was, I was feeling like, I was like, oh, look, overall there is, there seems like a, an intentional, like, uh, attempt to, to kind of skew younger with the tone and the feel of this movie. You know, like, it is... And maybe that you know the lead character we have is obviously a lot younger, but it's like the the, the type of humor that we've got going on. You know, not like this is for like ten year olds or anything, but it's sort of you know like teenagers, you know, young. It's it's younger than a more mature, like fully gruff movie. But then you do get a scene like that where it's like, hey, yeah, his dad is dying right in front of him, right there, um, and he legit can't do anything about it. Like it's it's happened. It's. It's like that's a real moment, and I was like, "Wow, this movie got hell heavy." <laughs> like, and then his family get together. There's a time for that. Now is not it. We need to band together. We need to be strong, united, and we need to yep. fight the bad guys. And you know, when there's, you're talking, there's messaging you, in this movie. Yes, like, there is. <laughs> but what you're talking about, where is you know, at times it does feel younger, a character in particular, and I get what they're going for. But it reminded me a little bit of something that you'd see in, I don't know, Spy Kids, the whole thing with the grandmother, you know, where they're referencing yeah. that obviously <laughs> she had a past that they're not familiar yep. with. She's got the big weapon. It's like, oh, this is um, this is Spy Kids territory. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's exactly right. That's that's it. Now, to be honest, this movie did remind me of a lot of of different movies, not necessarily in a bad way, but as I'm watching this, I'm like, that kind of feels like that. I mean, take the suit, 
for instance, like the actual, you know, like if, not the part where it kind of mutates his body and, and all that kind of rubbish, but, you know, the, the look of it, the design when he's flying up into, you know, the edge of the atmosphere, almost into space. I'm like, wow, this is like full on Iron Man vibes. And then he's first going up against, uh, what's his name? I'm just going to call him Whiplash, but um, that OMAC, the OMAC guy, you know, like oh, when they on the street. When that they said like, Whiplash yeah. or Obadiah <laughs> Stain, like the, the overall tone of the movie, obviously, you know, like, the very jovial Spider-Man kind of tone. You've already yep. mentioned Spy Kids. I mentioned Ant-Man. There's the bit where, like, he kind of goes to that dimension where he kind of he talks to his dead dad. And I'm like, oh, yeah, Black Panther Black vibes. Panther, yeah. There's the bit where he's been captured and he's on this big ring thing and his arms are... I'm like, wow, that's a scene straight out of The Incredibles. Um, what the about... With the, um... with the, the weapons, man. Like, yeah. Green Lantern... Oh, but that's fine though, and and not just like DC things that like he is influenced by, you know, other, I guess, films, oh, 100%, 100%. cartoons, which which would happen, and that's something that Green Lantern does, you know, you, you know, when he's using his ring and he's creating yeah. objects, he's influenced by things around him as well. But if we're referencing other things, what about? <laughs> yeah, what about when half his mask gets destroyed? And I'm like, as somebody watching Sam Raimi's Spider Man. <laughs> That's that's it. We've got to see the face, got to see the actor's face. And all the stuff with his family. Like I mentioned, like there's there's a whole lot of characters. There's a lot of humor in their family dynamic. I'm there getting is, I'm yeah. like, this is just like Miss Marvel. This was the best part of Miss Marvel <laughs> is is what I'm seeing here. Like if I'm they it. if they I'm are cherry picking the cherry, cherry picking, picking good shit. <laughs> yeah, from from the best. You know, you completely skim past it. I want to go back to it. OMAC. I had no idea. Right. I'd seen the first trailer and then I'd just seen posters. And, you know, you said in the opening there, we had to wait for this movie here in Australia. Like they'd had it in the US, the UK. I mean, we're just re- doing our review now. It's, I think, days away from getting a digital release in the US. Yeah, it's ridiculous. It's you can buy and watch it at home. We've just recently got it. On the big screens. Anyways, it had been a while since that first trailer. OMAC. When they said OMAC at the beginning of the movie, I'm like, oh my word. Because again, being a DC guy, do you know what OMAC stands for? Um, I think they said it in the movie, but I forgot. I don't I don't recall if they did. Maybe they did. Um, one man army corps. That is Yeah, no, they said, what... it, they said it because that's oh, okay, cool. To me. But um oh, yeah, man, I, I love I love all that stuff. So like, we're getting reference. I, mean, you know, getting... I didn't. Yeah. I didn't even think that character was going to be essential. Well, he's essentially the big bad, except for the actual big bad, which is Susan Sarandon's character, Victoria Cord. But when you see, you know, Rule Max uh, Trujillo, I think is how you say his name, who plays Ignacio Car- Carapax or Omac, like he's there as like the right hand man to victoria cord and i'm looking at him i'm like you know he just seems like the the hired help the the number two guy but then i'm like why is that guy decked out in like you know like machinery and and shit i'm like i was like that's helps like really really random for like just this you know second right hand man kind of guy turns out he's pretty much the physical adversary for him but that okay that was 
but it was interesting though because essentially he wasn't a bad guy he'd been manipulated by victoria cord and when you kept seeing yeah those flashbacks and when you kept seeing the locket and the photo in there i thought he'd lost his wife and child for the longest time but then you find out he was the kid in the photo all along and it was him losing his mum it it all worked for me and then he remembered what had happened victoria she'd been there all along and he saw jaime's relationship with his family you know so they weren't just there for comedic effects like it, it all it all came together but yeah no, i'm i'm with you because for the most part like he was just off to the side as victoria's bodyguard and then all of a sudden he's the big threat yeah it's like oh that kid has the he's in the blue beetle armor go fight him yeah <laughs> it's like full-on superhero biffing what oh right this guy is he's got stuff going on there <laughs> you know with so, yeah interesting with the scarab and the the transformation essentially what the director was going for was david cronenberg for kids that's yeah, what he was right. going for. So I guess <laughs> he pushed it as far as he could. And it was more full on because, you know, the, the first time that Jaime is transforming and then the other times, I'm guessing, it's a smoother transition. Like he's fully bonded <laughs> uh, with, <laughs> with the scarf. Well, it reminds me of the first X-Men film when Rogue's yeah. like talking with Wolverine, like with the claws. Time. Every time, and you're like, Do you know what? That's badass. Yeah. <laughs> he does it anyway. Mm. That's what um, that's what they were going for. And what's really cool about the costume, it was a practical outfit worn by Sholo. He actually wore that costume. And obviously, there's effects that are gonna, you know, finish it off. But he actually was wearing a practical suit. And I think it was at one of the like comic cons, and they actually had the suit displayed in a cabinet and it looked brilliant and it looks really good in the film. Yeah. I mean, look, the special effects overall, like both with the, the costuming, when the suit's in action, when it's doing stuff, you know, like the, the, what is it? Like a light sword, digital sword thing that he generates or. Well, he can create any metal. weapon essentially. Can yeah. It? Whatever you want. Like that all looks perfectly fine like this is and it's it's you know you talked about the smaller budget the history of this movie like it was meant to it was made as a max original so this was going to be straight to streaming they obviously saw something in it and went okay this should be on the big screen on the big screen but we will delay it in australia for a month for some reason but yeah it should be on the big screen um i'm watching this and i'm like you know what yeah this is this is pretty worthy like it's not like blowing my mind or anything, but there's nothing usually, you know, when we watch these big blockbuster things, and again, if you want to mention that Flash movie, you walk out and you're like, were some of those effects kind of crummy? Like they weren't the best. I'm watching this, I'm like, they're perfectly fine. There's nothing that looked offensively like awkward or yeah. like shitty. I kind of give this movie a big tick for its effects. Like, yeah, again, no, I, they're not yeah. Going, they're not going too big with it. The action's still there. There's some, Pretty decent fights. There's, you know, enough flying around and, you know, even getting thrown around, houses blowing up and all that kind of stuff. A little bug spaceship. Again, very, I don't know, spy kids like. But I was like, it all looks pretty decent. And maybe that's because they went practical because it was cheaper. I don't know. But it looked good. You know, the, the Watchmen comic and obviously the Watchmen movie as well. 
But you know, mm. essentially, that Blue Beetle is a DC Comics character, but originally, the original Blue Beetle was a Charlton Comics character. And essentially what happened is when Alan Moore was writing Watchmen, he got all the Charlton characters that DC now owned and put them together, and then he did his versions of those characters. So Night Owl in Watchmen is essentially Blue Beetle. And that's why he's also got the big, you know, equivalent well, of a flying book. Silk Spectre compared him to Batman, but that makes more sense. No, Silk <laughs> Spectre is Black Canary. Right. Doctor Manhattan is Captain Atom. I was trying to think all the other like comparisons that they had, but essentially they are all versions of Charlton characters. That's pretty cool trivia there. So again, like, you know, Blue Beetle is being around, like, you know, and there's a, an adaption of Blue Beetle in, in Watchmen and most people have seen and read, read Watchmen. Oh, you know, there's a character we've not mentioned. Rudy, Uncle Rudy, played by George Lopez. I've got to be honest, liked the character. That first trailer, I wasn't too sure because I thought, oh, he's <laughs> going to be the wacky uncle. Um, but no, actually, really, he's the wacky uncle. He still, he still <laughs> is, um, but he's not just the wacky uncle. Yes, he is that as well. But you know, when he's having that one-to-one with Jaime, like where it feels a bit like a failure, like he's not done anything with his life, and they're just there for each other. I, yeah, really liked him because you know, there's that gag in the trailer. Batman's a fascist, and that got some criticism online. <laughs> you can't say that, <laughs> but um, I liked him in it. It's yeah, no, no. I I enjoy his character. I I kind of like that at a certain point of this movie, it kind of it kind of just lets Jaime, Uncle Rudy, and what her name is, Jenny, <laughs> old Jenny Cord, just kind of go on their little adventure together, just the three of them. It kind of just let the movie again become tighter, more intimate. And it allowed it still, you know, there was still that energy of the wacky familyness, but just through Uncle Rudy. And then you had obviously Jaime and and Jenny just sort of them kind of bonding a little bit. Not to say that worked too much, but it worked well enough. It was simple. I like their little little trio of of like, hey, let's discover secrets and learn things and come across all that and then bring the family back and it's all take it from there. I liked it. Yeah, me too. And I did buy the relationship between Jenny and Jaime as well. And Jenny Cord, played by Bruna Marcazing, she was good. So I'm hoping we are going to get more, whether it's Blue Beetle 2 or whether these characters may appear next. But give me yeah. Ted Cord. Actually cast him. Give me Ted Cord in a sequel. You know, going back to what you said before, about saying now originally this was made for streaming and there's still that Batgirl movie that was cancelled we're probably never going to get to see it but you know Batgirl and then Blue Beetle they could have had something you know making these smaller movies for streaming but for me personally I'm really glad that we did end up getting to see this movie on the big screen because thinking about all the streaming movies like Prey that comes to mind only ever had the option to watch that at home. Yeah. Some movies 
deserved to be on the big screen. Prey should have been on the big screen, and I'm glad that's where I got to see this one. Okay, so if you're going to rate Blue Beetle out of five. All right, so I think I've, I've talked pretty positively, pretty positively about this movie. Um, look, I liked it. I liked it. I enjoyed it. Um, again, I've, if I was to be really critical about it, I'm not going to say this is, you know, top tier comic book. Um, look, it, I, I still think it does skew a little bit younger, both in, in, in tone and just sort of just general sensibilities about it. There are moments where it's like, oh, it is pushing it a, a bit to that more mature kind of realm, which caught me off guard and I appreciated. Like I said, the action is pretty decent. It is a fun movie. There's a bit of humor to it. Um, overall, though, it, it's it's pretty simple, straightforward. There's nothing that's really too surprising about it. You know, like you, you kind of go on the journey. On one hand, I really like that it's that it's pretty simple and straightforward. On the other hand, I'm like, I, I feel like I, you know, sort of seen this before. And then literally, there are things in here where, I've, you know, I have seen this stuff before. But I guess what we've seen is good stuff. It's definitely a recommend for me. It's a 3.5 out of 5. Like, I liked it. I enjoyed it. Um, I'm not writing home and telling my mum about it. Like, <laughs> that's that's it. 3.5. So if you haven't checked it out yet, surely it's available in your country in some way. Go watch it. Yeah, I'm going to come in a little bit higher, but not by much. I'm going to come in with a 4 out of 5. Recognising that it does skew younger at times we've not really mentioned the score really like the score not so much a fan of songs over certain scenes like you've got <laughs> the that big action piece with the bug and i can't even remember the song that was playing at the time i thought oh i don't know i probably would have rather that not not be there but i'm giving it a four because i just i, I really enjoyed it found it Effortless, great portrayal of the character, the effects, the family dynamic, the humor worked. It was just a lot of fun. You know, after watching some recent DC films and really trying to like them, this one I just sat watching and enjoyed. <laughs> so I, yeah, four out of five. Well, that's it for our review of Blue Beetle. If you haven't already, check out our other shows, Rewind and Review and Sounds Like Comics. Each of those shows also have their own Facebook pages. If you missed it, be sure to check out our recent review of The Nun 2 and stay tuned for our upcoming review of No One Will Save You. You've been listening to Luke. And you've been listening to Jason. We're the guys from that film, Stu. See you soon.